For the first time since 2016, the Florida State Seminoles walk away from opening weekend with a victory. Today on Locked on Seminoles, we're talking about what we expected, what we got from the game, and so much more on today's edition of Locked on Seminoles. Let's ride. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday to each and every single one of you. It's your boy Drake here, as always, and today in the StreamYard room, I have Mr. David Wise after a very, very long commute from Tallahassee. Dave, how's it hanging, my brother? Eating a W, Drake. Eating the W. How Opening you doing? You go from the middle, do from the outside. How you eating the W, sir? Um, I, I think from the middle, yeah. Yeah, from the middle. From the middle, from the middle, and folks, thank you guys so much for being locked on Seminoles. The first listen each and every single day, as always, with you know, we're your experts on the team, and we just love having each of you, each and every single one of you, supporting us through basically what we get to do as a hobby and covering one of our favorite sports teams, one of our favorite sports programs. But Dave, yeah, we are here to celebrate and relish in the finally, just finally, the breakthrough with winning an opening game weekend. I want to get first your raw thoughts on the game, and then tell the folks what we're talking about today. Okay, so. We're going to start by kind of reviewing what we wanted to see most. You know, we t- we said before, and we didn't expect to be able to take too much away from this game. That remains true. But we had some specific kind of goals in mind. So we're going to address those. And then we're going to get to the good. And then we'll get to the, you know, I, there's nothing concerning, I would say. But the, you know, what what question, what question marks do we need answered uh, following that game? So... If you don't mind, I, I think I think we have the some good to start fine. off with. Yeah, so my expectation or, or what I wanted to see in that game was the new receivers combined for, I think I said, 12 catches and 150 yards. So that would be Deuce Span, Micah Pittman, and Johnny Wilson, the three of them in particular. Well, they didn't quite get 12 catches. They combined for eight, and they didn't quite get 150 yards. They combined for 135. However, tell you what, man, gotta be feeling good about this receiving core. Um, the three of them did their thing. I was I was impressed by each of them in their own ways. It is clear that the wide receiver room, because of their presence here, is not going to be the worst in the ACC like it has been, and it's probably going to be top half of the ACC. And they're doing that allowed. Something to come out of nowhere with Kendron Portier. Um, so we might have more good than we know at this at this position. And these new receivers' impact may not be as limited as just their own performance on the field. They may elevate even the existing receiving core. And that's kind of work. I'm going to kind of, I guess, piggyback up one of your goods primarily because I think we saw something that we have basically been, I guess, much maligning at FSU when it comes to the wide receiver development, especially with Coach Ron Dugans. You see what Deuce Span has been able to do since, for those who don't remember, Deuce Span is a former uh, converted quarterback to the wide receiver spot when he was over at Illinois. And then what we're expecting for him to basically kind of get on the scene basically a a year from now, maybe two years from now, and basically to see what he was able to do against Duquesne, which I understand that Duquesne is a very, they're a a slightly average, above average FCS team, so take it with a grain of salt. 
Right. But seeing how he was able to develop, but then you see Kentron Portier basically showcase his ability to separate, his ability for you know high pointing the ball and catching. Yep. Like he had like two separate catches in traffic that I was like very impressive. Kentron, Tron, and we've been, we've been waiting on him on the show to basically kind of basically take that next step, and we saw that this past weekend. And hopefully, this is only the beginning of what was basically a beautiful thing to see. So kudos to that core group, and kudos also to Dugans for basically kind of seems like he's been doing his job. Yeah, well. He was given better tools in the cupboard to work with for sure. Uh, and clearly that position is going to be an X factor for this team this year. Like it's again, everything against an FCS team needs to be taken with a grain of salt. So like the thought, the prevailing thought going into LSU isn't that clearly we're just going to have these dominant wide receivers that their defensive backs can't match up against. I think our wide receivers could give them problems, but this is still a learning experiment for this wide receiving core. Uh, but the most positive thoughts on it. I mean, it couldn't have gone any better, I think, for those guys. Um, now, if I remember correctly, your what you wanted to see was the offensive line getting no pre-snap penalties. But just in general, how did you feel about the offensive line play? Well, the offensive line play, to me, I thought it was pretty good. I thought actually overall, basically, I was not. I did say no pre-snap penalties, but when you saw that, I think a few of them were basically on the third teamer, so I'm not going to put too much weight right. in that. And also, you see the different combinations. But overall, like they looked physical at the point of attack, and that's mm. something that they also looked massive. Like this Big. is the first time I saw the offensive line. I'm like, oh damn! Like we have actually some power five size football players all along this line to hopefully protect Jordan Travis. And that kind of goes into how they're being able to be successful at the line of scrimmage. To my other last good thing, which. I said I wanted the running backs themselves to total 250 yards. Dave, we had three separate running backs for the first time in school history have more than 100 yards rushing. Each scored a TD. Trayshawn Ward had two. Benson and Toafili had one. And quite honestly, I am stoked for this thunder, lightning, lightning attack that we have the three. And then your boy, Rodney Hill, and sort of basically towards the end of the game, that that, that kid's nice, man. And I think Co- we've been much maligning Coach Jack Johnson. We're basically with the recruitment a little more lackluster, but he knows how to develop some talent. Yeah. Um, you can't escape this conversation of the good without starting off with the running backs. Um, again, and I'm not going to say this again. It, it's an FCS team. They should have done what they did. Remember, we talked about our expectations. You said you wanted to see 200 and whatever yards from the running backs, and I told you that would be a terrible game. You need to see over 300. Yeah, my, and, my sense of my sense of like how many yards is a lot. Right. Like for that, like, to me, that sounded like a lot, to be honest. But, I mean, you couldn't ask for much more. Each of the three of Trey Sean Ward, Trey Benson, Lawrence Toafili, and even a fourth again, add Rodney Hill to that. They all look phenomenal. Uh, Ward and Benson clearly are going to be our one-two, just like we thought. Um, mm-hmm. It is obvious to me that Trayshawn Ward wasn't necessarily just, uh, I guess, the benefactor of Jay Sean Corbin's performance last year. Obviously, he is in his own right good. He seems like, you know, last year the offensive line was really bad. And Jay Sean Corbin did what he did in spite of that offensive line. But so, so did he. Um, so did Trayshawn Ward. And if he can repeat his performance or improve on it from last year, meaning if he can do what he did in this game in the rest of our games, man, that's going to help this offense. And especially behind an offensive line that is going to be better at run blocking. Like you said, they're big. That's against Duquesne. They should look big, but 
really well, no, but they look big just naturally just walking right. around. I'm like Julian Armella, that that's a large human being. And then you see Jackson that's an 18 on the right side. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that kid's not 18. That's like the, the scene in Bench Warmers, like where it's I am 12 with the license thing and everything. I'm right. like, no, that's a that's a grown ass man right there. But yeah, with the running backs, they look great. And then that kind of goes to the last kind of good thing here, too. I'm probably the first one on here to criticize Jordan Travis, you know, when it comes to basically his limitations or my perceived limitations of him as a quarterback. He, I know, like, we had to keep quantifying it, but that's fair to do that. He looked a lot more comfortable probably towards the total of the game. And not only that, we we saw the deep throws, but we know he can hit those. We've seen him hit it with the wheel route with Jekai Douglas. That's kind of like his bag. Yep. He looked a lot more comfortable with the passes over Poised. the middle poised comfortable like he went through some similar progressions like i know it's a little bit easier but like the past johnny wilson that could that should have been a touchdown across the middle then you had another one too to you know cameron mcdonald and also with kentron portier like the middle of the field might be open for jt and that's going to be something that hopefully is added to his back for the season yeah our you and i's big gripe with jordan travis has i mean really the only thing about him that i really critique is his short and intermediate passing and his passing over the middle if he can be consistent with that, and if he can, if he can hit receivers where only they can catch it and, and or in stride, this offense is is going to be top 50 potential, uh, perhaps even better. But yeah, you know, you'll have people that I think look at the box score and people who are inclined to be cynical to Jordan Travis going into the game will point out that he didn't throw for a touchdown and that that's frustrating and that you couldn't even do that against Duquesne. I mean, that's again, he looked better. Pat, he looked improved passing from last year where he had already improved from the year before i think that bodes well and the fact that they didn't ask him to run does not mean that jordan travis is not going to be a dangerous runner it's that they didn't want to get jordan travis injured and that was absolutely the right way to play that and we'll talk more about basically everything we thought you know could have gone a little bit better or some of the minor criticism because there is stuff to criticize actually from this game but before yeah. we do that folks we're here to talk to you guys a little more about something that's a little more important than also that kind of is prevalent around when college football comes back. You're going to bars, you're going to friends' houses, and sometimes, you know, you want to have, add a little more fun to your party, but folks, it's something that you don't want to do right before you start driving. Are you one of those people that who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit, driving a little bit above the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Well, friends, that's where you're wrong. The truth is your reaction time is 10 times slower 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 way down when you're high you're not only put yourself in danger but everyone else around you on the road now talk about a bus kill stop kidding yourself it's not okay to drive high if been using marijuana in any form do not get behind the wheel of the car because folks you can make the choices for some for your own self but when you're on the road you're making choices for another person who doesn't have a chance to basically go against that so folks please if you feel different you most likely will drive different drive high and you'll more certainly enough get a dui all right, Drake, we have plenty more to talk about about the Duquesne game before we put a bow on it and look ahead to LSU. Now, this was a well-executed game. Again, we, we did what we were supposed to do. We beat up on an FCS team. Uh, we didn't put Jordan Travis at risk of getting injured. Uh, we ran for a bajillion yards. Those are the things we should have done, and we barely let them score. However, there were some curious I, I, they're not issues, but just curious takeaways from this game. Um, the one that jumps out to probably anybody else listening to this and to me most is, man, I really hope Jordan Travis doesn't get injured because against a team like Duquesne, Tate Rodemaker should shine. Um, 
that's that's just a reality. There's there's no there's no spinning this one. There's there's no political spin job to do here. Tate Rodemaker should be able to bully a team like Duquesne and just just isn't it. Um, I'm sure he's working his butt off. Um, that's it's if Jordan Travis were to get injured, I got to see AJ Duffy. Uh, that's that's where I'm at, man. Um, it's it's unfortunate, but I expect now to be in that same position as last year where Jordan goes down and we don't feel great about the chances of winning a game. At least with AJ, we don't know that he's not capable of doing it. Um, whereas, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I feel like I know that Tate's not going to win us that game. Yeah, I'm not going to belabor the point because kind of now at this point we've been discussing how we all feel about Tate Rodemaker as a backup QB here. We also weren't you know basically we heard about him being great in practice i had a teammate of mine who was a really damn good picture when we we're basically we're practicing but when the likes come on yeah. he became a thrower which basically folks means he lost command of everything he couldn't hit the strike zone i tried my best to help him out it didn't work out that way so with tate to me he and his fsu career has six games he has 37 you know i think it's completions four interceptions to zero pick it's four interceptions to zero touchdowns and you're he's in his third year so I think now you know what you have with Tate, and I'm just yeah. not going to discuss that anymore because I think at the point now, he seems like a nice kid. I just don't want to belabor yeah. the point with that. And then with AJ, my gripe mainly with that is I kind of want to see more than one series from him. Yeah, same. That's about it, but maybe you kind of keep it close to the vest, but also you don't want him to get hurt out there because we have seen basically where QBs get needlessly hurt just basically doing scrimmages, and at that point of the game, it kind of was a glorified scrimmage. So I'm fine with that. I think my, my main gripe, though, from the game overall is – our defensive back depth. We saw that Omar and Cooper was called out of the game. I'm sorry, he was pulled from the game before the game started. Yeah. You had Jerry and Jones starting. Yep. And you kind of saw where basically Jarvis Brownlee did leave. And that was kind of a loss when it comes to the run game with the cornerbacks. But you also see basically where you don't have every single uh, defensive back available, how kind of basically you're asking Jerry and Jones, who is a lot, probably a lot more successful in the nickel yep. than actually being your number two corner. And that kind of hurts you tremendously and you're not being able to basically you leave your linebackers out to dry you leave your safeties out to dry so to me with defensive back depth it's concerning and hopefully cooper was only pulled just basically for precautionary reasons because it was duquesne but that's maybe why you saw the staff beat was on like every single defensive back in the portal over the past few months yeah um i don't share that concern with the defensive back depth i don't i mean we we before this game talked about how the defensive backroom is just loaded with both talent and experience in various ways. And I, I, I just don't share that until I see it play out on the field. Like maybe I'm getting caught up in name syndrome and just thinking, Oh, look at these names and look at these guys that were four stars. I, I, I trust it to work out. I, tr I trust that they're going to be able to rotate these very talented pieces and be able to figure out a combination that works. Um, that, this may be my bigger concern for, from the game. And maybe it's not a concern. I don't know. It could have been the game plan. It doesn't seem like something you would game plan. Are you doing defensive line? Um, not necessarily just the defensive line, but it obviously relates to it. I don't like that we had one sack, and I don't like that we didn't force any turnovers. That's that's tough. I mean, this is, again, a team where you should have been able to bully them. I mean, you did. You should be that able to. You did. You should be able to force turnovers. Their quarterback went seven of 17 passing. He could have picked off a few passes. Probably should have been able to force a couple uh, fumbles, but that didn't happen. More importantly than that, though, to me, is the sack numbers. I get it. You know, you're not having to go 100%. You're not putting your best moves out there for LSU to see on film. Uh, but I would like them to have gone out and just 
really lit it up and gotten like eight sacks or something and go into the LSU game, just, you know, <laughs> them scared of what we have to offer. So I think more like, because that's how I originally felt when I first watched it, but then I watched it again. I kind of like subsided a little bit. Then also um, Kevin Little from X's and Knowles over at 247 posted that the average team on dropbacks, you know, gets rid of the ball to quarterback in 2.78 seconds. This team on average was like 2.3 flat. So if you looked at every single dropback, so like that's kind of what I was looking at uh, this morning, where it was like one, two, and then throw. Like over the course of the game, Jared Verse and Derek McClendon were back there. Now, hopefully you should have gotten a little bit more. I think that's a fair criticism, but I also think that the way the defense was structured to basically not have that much on tape for LSU. But then also you saw a lot more different formations where I also noticed that Jamie, Jamie Robinson took snaps at strong safety, free safety, linebacker, corner, and slot corner. So that's something else that he's going to basically putting on tape for LSU. So to me, the defensive line, that's a great, that's a valid criticism. The turnover one, Tatum Bethune almost had that one. I thought he had it when he went back like this, but that was kind of more of a different Ended grab. the streak. I know, the end of the streak, but quite honestly, like if those are our main gripes where we're still kind of like being a little not more bad. nitpicky, it's not right. bad. And I think that there's a lot more positive and like there's nothing super For negative sure. I can take actually from this game, which yep. we have to, talk, we have to criticize it. And I think like we said before, there is warranted criticism on both sides of the ball from the game. But overall, that felt Awesome to watch. Awesome, awesome to rewatch too before today's show. Yeah, just to be clear, what we're talking about when we say we have question marks or that anything's a negative really is nitpicking. The game went how it was supposed to. I just want to be very clear about that. I'm not being negative here. I'm I'm just pointing out the things that I would have liked to have seen. I mean, it's not just that we have like the nation's longest you know interception streak. Like, yeah, that would have been cool to see continue. But I I, I just really hope that these things that we maybe put some question marks next to are things that we really just weren't putting things on film and that against LSU, that that's not a reoccurring problem. Because if it is the case that you can just throw quick and get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast, that's something other teams can do. That's that's not just like something Duquesne's capable of. Other teams can do that too. And if we're getting killed with that, that's well, not to great. be fair. To be fair, they were doing that too because also, if you noticed, every single cornerback would play with like fake the press and then we'll be like off 15, yeah. 10 to 15 yards. So I think that's how, like, only throw the ball and like we'll be fine taking care of that. And that constantly, I mean, the game plan, the only reason they scored was because of an interception late in the yeah. game. So to me, quite honestly, I think I will, I'm basically mainly fine with how it looked. It would then look great, but I'm going to reserve judgment like on the defense until probably after LSU and then probably halfway through Louisville. We came away happy. Exactly, Mundo. All right, Drake. So we've talked about uh, ex- expectations versus what we got. We talked about the good. We talked about the little, I don't know. I don't want to call it negative, but head scratching or question mark. Um, so the question Common is. Commonplace criticism. That's sure. all we're doing. We're all, right. It's all we're doing. It's just constructive criticism, kind of the right. way you give me with my like lawyer stuff, because I ask you a thousand questions and you never give me the damn answer. That's exactly right, Drake. You got to exactly. learn yourself. Yeah. All right. Yeah, learn exactly. So now the question is. Where do we go from here? How do you feel in light of this game and what you saw play out on that field? Real plays, real football. How do you feel about going into LSU in light of everything you saw? Um, I think I feel... Better, worse, I, same? I feel the same. Okay. If we're being completely honest here, I don't feel any different. I mean, I was concerned about the center spot, but then we saw Darius Washington pulled out, I mean, primarily for cautionary reasons. Apparently, he was walking around the sideline. I wasn't at the game, but that's all what I was told. And then you had Dylan Gibbons like snapping, and I was like, "Do we think Dylan Gibbons can snap? Because basically, that kid could basically do anything at this point." And yeah. you just move up 
Dimitri Emmanuel, also Jason Turrentine, who actually had a decent game. And I know the PFF grades drop, folks, but we'll look over those more in detail on uh, tomorrow's episode. But to me, like, I feel pretty much the same. The only concern I think I had was the special teams that we didn't see much of basically them doing anything. Yeah. And it's it's not, I don't think it was Micah Pittman's fault. I think the coverage on them left a lot to be desired. And then with Sam McCall, uh, I mean, I don't know who's Kick teaching returns. him what to do <laughs> with the returns. Like, he, he, like, it's yeah. like he, he wanted to get hit. It's like, you know, yeah. come attack me. Like, he ran right into a wall several times. But overall, like, I feel good about this, even though I'm still worried how this offensive line, especially the middle, up the middle, is going to deal with that defensive line at LSU because that defensive line at LSU is really damn dangerous. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think I feel the same for different reasons. Like, I think I feel better about the offense going into LSU than uh, I necessarily expected to or did before the Duquesne game. Um, again, those running backs, I think they are what they thought we thought they were. Not just who we they, thought they were. Right. Not oh, yes. just because we let them off the hook. Not just because they played Duquesne. I mean, we have dudes back there. This could be. Yeah, they're dogs. They're so yeah. good. <laughs> it's more than just one. I mean, we're bringing fresh legs out off the bench that are just as talented as the last guy. So that's going to be a problem for LSU. Like I know their defensive line's good, but the running game is going to be something that they're going to struggle to handle. Um, the passing game also, again, it, the running, but knowing that the running backs look good, that's going to take pressure off the passing game and it should make the passing game easier. These receivers looked good. If they can replicate that level of performance and competency against LSU and Jordan Travis is better at passing short and over the middle, I feel really, I feel much better about this offense, even though it was only Duquesne. I think they're at or ahead of where I would have wanted them to be by this point. The reason I feel the same, though, is again, just, you know, the defense. I, I, I don't think anybody has been more positive this offseason about this defense than me. Um, I, I've been telling anybody who will listen, this is a top 25, possibly top 10 defense nationally. Um, I'm going to need to see, again, there were reasons for it. I'm going to need to see those sacks show up against LSU because you're going to need, you're going to need sacks to win that game. This isn't Duquesne. Um, and you're going to need turnovers. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where we have to depend on turnovers to win. Um, I don't know that we're going to have a game on our schedule that we're going to have to depend on turnovers to win, but we're going to need to force them. And we were good at it last year. We brought a nation leading inter interception streak. Uh, going into the Duquesne game, we were excellent at sacking the quarterback last year. So I, I need to see those things continue. I don't necessarily feel too much worse about the defense because there wasn't much to learn. But having not seen the, you know, sack party I expected to see or, you know, the just knocking people out of play and just forcing fumbles like left and right, having not seen that, I think it evens out what I got from the offense. So I feel about the same against LSU, which is to say, I think we should win. Yeah, I think it's more, I think, with the defense, like I said, like I think you'll see, we'll see a lot more QB pressures. I don't think we're going to see the huge sack part against LSU primarily because right. I think Jane Daniels will be the will, will be the QB. Jane Daniels can move. Jane Daniels yep. can run. So I fully more expect basically quarterback hurries, quarterback pressures. And one thing I did actually forget to talk about too as one of my main goods, Tatum Bethune is awesome. Yeah, and I think Tatum Bethune basically saw we have finally have a sideline to sideline linebacker, someone who has awareness, someone's able to diagnose the play even before the snap. So to me, I'm actually super stoked for this game. I think the personnel is there. I think that what we saw basically yesterday was what you asked for in the beginning of the week, which was just execute simply. Yes. Which for the for the most part, you can see that everyone was in the right spot. 
it just mainly is they couldn't finish on certain on certain plays, whether it be a pass right. breakup, whether it be a touchdown, whether it be basically the sack that you wanted. So to me, this was instrumental in being our first game as we have sort of get the kinks out. Because to me, I think we'll see a different team going up against LSU for Labor Day weekend. And that kind of goes to my next thing where I think that you need to have Trey Benson be your number one running back. I agree. Because yep. he had, I think, what, 16 different Mr. Break tackles, I think, for combined by himself. And he does not look like, look like fun takedown at no. all. Period. And I think you should wear down the LSU defensive, defensive front, LSU defensive backs and linebackers. And then just unleash the shiftiness that is Lawrence Tofield, who now knows how to hit a hole. And then Trayshawn Ward, who, who he you saw on the one play yesterday, he had like four ta- four broken tackles on the one play, who just simply runs extremely nasty. So to me, that should be the main change heading into LSU. Totally agree. I said that before the Duquesne game. I expected him to come out looking like the number one running back, and possibly even a shakeup in the depth chart with him being the number one running back. Honestly. I, I don't really care who they put atop the depth chart because they're both going to get a ton of carries. They're both super talented. And, uh, you know, between the two, if you're making me pick, I do think Trey Benson's going to be your lead rusher. Great problem to have. Um, but what you brought up, I'm glad you brought up special teams because that's the other question mark. I mean, this is the last time I'm going to, this is the last time I, I hope I have to say this, but when Mike Norvell came in, the thing that he preached in his initial press conference more than anything, it seems like he emphasized special teams more than anything. And since that day, special teams has been among the worst things we've done. Now, the first year, the first year was good. The first year was good. And you're like, Master Mel actually is a pretty good player. Yeah, we we have a great punter. Um, we know that. But we don't trust the field goal kicking. And the kick return and the punt return, we expected to be better in light of the personnel that came in, like Michael Pittman returning punts, for example. Um, some fresh blood in the kick return game. We're going to need to see that materialize because if we're making the same sloppy and uncoordinated special teams mistakes that we did last year, that's going to hold us back. And, and, you know, they weight that in like the advanced metrics, the special teams play into it and it counts less than offense and defense because you're doing it less often. That's going to matter. And special teams could be the difference easily against LSU. No, I completely agree. I think field position will probably be the name of the game, but folks, that's all the time that we have for today. Please drop down in the comments below what you, you know, liked of the Duquesne game. Like to me personally, I thought it was everything we wanted except yep. for, you know, being a little bit nippy because it was a great win. It was the first time that actually I could enjoy a Saturday. Like, oh, we're going to stomp this team that we're supposed to. Please drop that down below. Also drop down your expectations heading into LSU. As we discuss more and more throughout the week, we're actually meeting with Caroline Fenton of Lachlan LSU for a crossover episode later in the week. Now, Dave, please let the folks know what to do with YouTube and also hit them with the, hit them with the podcast instructions. All right, guys for the podcast, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google play, all those good places for the YouTube subscribe to the channel. Ding that little bell at the top. If you like this video, give it a like. And as Drake mentioned, comment, tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like about the Duquesne game. Uh, Give us just your general thoughts on it. If you disagree with anything we said, we'd love to talk about it. And uh, yeah, like Drake said, tell us what you think about Gordon and LSU. How'd this make you think about it? And with that being said, with the officially we're 1-0 as a podcast. This is the first podcast we've done actually being undefeated heading yeah. into the season. You know that, right? Yeah, it is. This feels yeah. really damn good. I know FS- I know Seminole Nation also feels good as well. With that being said, this was Drake. That was Dave. And we'll see you all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Undefeated. Undefeated.